Hey, I'm Johanna Wagstaff. And hi there, I'm Rohit Joseph. And we're asking for 10 minutes of your day to go through the 10 things that the UN recommends we can all do when it comes to climate change. Please don't leave. No. And also the things (laughs) aren't new. We are just wired to not do them. We promise you to help you figure out your brains and you and your people can make better choices to combat climate change. 10 Minutes to Save the Planet is available now on CBC Listen and everywhere you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. Hi, this is The Fridge Light. I'm Chris Nottlesmith. And the episode you're about to hear was recorded in front of a live audience at the Hot Docs Podcast Festival in Toronto with a few bits we produced earlier on, too. Anyway, the old saying about live performances, you know, anything can happen. Well, all I want to say before you listen is that we did pre-clear the smoke machine I wanted to say that and maybe dim the lights a bit and grab some popcorn or some all sorts or maybe a pack of those seaweed snacks. This episode is called Snack Time. Can you define a snack? I think a snack to me that's anything that's in between meals. I think that's the way to do it. Like, I think it's a cheat. It's like you're supposed to have breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and then you can snack any time in between. This guy is a snack time guru. My name is Dustin Gallagher, executive chef of People's Eatery and 416 Snack Bar. In Toronto. In Toronto, Ontario. Dustin and the crew at 416 do strong drinks, loud music, and just one kind of food item. Snacks. So... It seemed like a pretty great place to start. It's 12 o'clock. The night's just probably getting another rush here. You know, love the late night snacks and the late night drinks. It's midnight snack time. (laughs) Yes, it is. What do people come in here just craving? What gets them every time? I like a range. You want to get something that's deep fried and voluptuous, if you will. But it's also good to have something fresh as well. You don't want just deep fried food. You know, late night snack, you can have a couple bites or you can eat a whole meal. I think the great thing about this place too is uh, you're like, oh, you know, I'll just have a bite. You start off with one, then you get another. Next thing you know, you and your buddies have eaten the whole menu and then it's turned into a meal, but you've cheated by calling it a bunch of snacks. What do you guys serve here? The steam bun, the pork bun. It's been here since day one. The steak tartare, the tuna hand roll. Eggplant double down. There's, there's uh, wait, What is the eggplant double down? Well, it's a double down, so you have two pieces of fried eggplant. Second eggplant parm that you can just crush in one hand. What's in it? Eggplant, buffalo mozzarella, tomato, arugula. The whole idea is to get everything in a couple bites, you know? A little deep fried, a little saucy, spicy, crunchy, and eat with your hands and just get in there and have a good time. I don't know about you, but sometimes I like to wake up in the middle of the night, sit in front of the fridge, and just snack out of the fridge. <laughs> oh, you do that too. <laughs> I don't bring my knife and fork with me. You know, I think uh, my wife may get upset when she's like, why is there a half open pack of bologna in the fridge? <laughs> I'm shocked that you would have bologna in your fridge, uh, man. More, t- more Tadella, more Tadella. <laughs> oh, okay, it's okay. <laughs> Describe to me the greatest snack you've ever had. Cheese and crackers are always a good one. You can't go wrong with it. I think that is like the quintessential snack because it's something that you can put in front of you and graze and have a conversation and enjoy a drink. We talked for a while about some big ideas, the infinite joys of getting food into your face. As midnight conversations go, it's deep. And 
it's making me hungry. So Dustin takes me into the kitchen. You're gonna make the eggplant double down. I think it's a super tasty, deep fried, cheesy, and delicious. So we're gonna throw the eggplant down. He does some frying and some slathering. He dervishes around that little space like a man who knows the hardcore munchies. Some buffalo mozzarella here. And it's best to get the buffalo mozzarella in there while it's hot, so it gets a little oozy-goozy, you know what I mean? Oh my god. It is creamy and crunchy and salty and sweet and acidic. It's got absolutely everything. Did you miss a single thing? I'm in absolute heaven right now. Well, I'm glad to hear. One other thing in 416 Snack Bar's kitchen grabs my attention, and it's almost as inspiring as that eggplant double down. It's the restaurant's prep station, the place they keep their most in-demand snack ingredients. Okay, we've got pickles, house-made sauerkraut, cheeses, confit pork belly, a pickled celery, ginger, daikon, carrot, cilantro, watercress. I would give just about anything to have this buffet of snack ingredients inside my fridge door when I open it up at 2 in the morning. I think we need to start uh, reinventing the fridge a little bit for people who can set up full snack stations. I hate the idea of bringing everything out. The luxury of just reaching in and shoving stuff in your face is a beauty. So I just imagine you there, like, standing in front of your fridge, bathed in fridge light in your thunderoos, with your hands in the snack station. <laughs> in my thunderoos, with the foot covers and the flap in the back, stuffing my face with cheese and crackers. Sometimes it gets weird. Sometimes I'll just cut a, a watermelon in half and take a spoon and just sit in front of the fridge and eat a watermelon. I have a horrible life and a horrible eating habits. <laughs> You're living my dream. <laughs> At least it's someone's dream. From CBC, this is The Fridge Light, the hidden stories behind the food you eat. I'm your host, Chris Nottle-Smith, and this is a special live taping of The Fridge Light for the Hot Docs Podcast Festival. Hello, Toronto! In this episode, snack time. And let's dispense with something right this second. This podcast will not contain the sort of hand-wringing, moralizing, anti-snack industry diatribe you might expect. Snacks are incredible, edible time machines. They give structure and even meaning to our hours and our days, and they have an almost unparalleled ability to tap into our collective consciousness. Even more than all that, a lot of snacks are just freaking delicious. And to that end, in this episode, with our audience's help, we will be picking the single greatest snack food on the face of the planet ever. And almost as important, we will be doing our damnedest to make sure that none of you snack doubters out there, if any of you even are snack doubters, will ever think of snacks the same way again. To kick things off, Janice Thiessen is an associate professor of history at the University of Winnipeg. She's a food historian. And this part is important. Janice is a snacks obsessive. 
Her book, appropriately titled Snacks, was published just this fall. It details the history of some iconic snack companies, the stories of the entrepreneurs, the factory workers, and the farmers behind them, and it is a magnificent read. Janice, come on up. My mother kept stacks of old Dutch potato chips in our childhood home, and she gave me and my sister a cookie or two after breakfast most days, telling us it was important to start the day with something sweet. But to live in North America in the 21st century is to be told repeatedly that snacks aren't healthy. More than that, we're constantly told that snacks are bad for our moral health as well. According to Snacking's many critics, snacks have replaced wholesome ingredients in cooking. We're told we don't eat meals together at a table anymore, surrounded by family and friends. We eat food that isn't real food, but processed food substitutes, filled with chemicals, and produced by faceless industrial entities. Consider Michael Pollan's food rules. His advice is to eat all the junk food you want as long as you cook it yourself. Michael Moss, the author of Salt, Sugar, Fat, goes so far as to claim that big food wants to addict us all to snacks. As for their solutions, well, a lot of snack moralizers insist that people should pay more for their food. They rarely seem to consider that some people may not have the means to do that. Or they say we should eat only when we're hungry. Michael Pollan even says we shouldn't eat for entertainment because it's a costly antidepressant. In other words, let's take the pleasure out of food. But is it fair to dismiss snack foods as junk food? Some snack foods contain no more salt, sugar, or fat than the average restaurant meal or cookbook recipe. And some of them even have more nutrients than supposedly healthy stuff. Potato chips, for instance, contain four times the vitamin C of apples, more than three times the potassium of bananas, and more dietary fiber than white bread. The modern food industry has brought unprecedented variety to our diets and dramatically reduced hunger and nutrition-related diseases. And the moralistic crusade against big food, what some scholars call culinary Luddism, takes a nostalgic view of the past as some ideal of good nutrition. Michael Pollan says we shouldn't eat anything our great-grandmothers wouldn't recognize as food. Well, my great-grandmothers ate pork, cabbage, dairy, and almost any form of dough. And for many Western European great-grandmothers, bread and beer were staples, and they didn't get a lot of protein. As for this argument that we should all be at home cooking instead of eating snack foods, it's too often based on assumptions that are sexist, classist, and body-shaming. Is there no place in our lives for food that gives us pleasure? When I was a kid growing up in Winnipeg, there was a classic summer meal we used to eat. We'd eat big rounds of watermelon, three or four in a single sitting, and we'd eat them with these strips of fried salted dough called rollkuchen. It was a meal to us, but it was composed of what a lot of people probably think of as snack foods. And making those rollkuchen was a lot of work for my mom. So when I was in my teen years, she switched over to another deep-fried salted food, old Dutch potato chips. <laughs> It worked for us. They were probably just as healthy. And I still love potato chips. So let's stop all the judging about snacks. Janice Thiessen. 
We're going to hear a bit more from Janice in a few minutes. But before that, a few weeks ago, the Fridge Light crew gathered with our microphones and our stretchiest pants in the parking lot of a retail plaza in Scarborough, a super diverse, super tasty part of Toronto's Northeast. And we met up with these guys. I'm Suresh Das. I'm a food writer in Toronto. Hi, I'm Jennifer Chan. I just eat a lot. I'm Nana Magbula at Sociology University of Toronto. I eat a ton. These three people, Suresh, Jen, and Netta, they're three of the smartest people I know in food. And more important, they are salt, fat, and sugar-addled snack time superstars. How do you define snack? What's a snack to you? Something I can, you know, pull out of a bag in the pantry. Something I can spread on crackers. That ideal snack for me is something crunchy. Honestly, everything is a snack to me. The whole point of this is we want to find, through you guys, the single greatest snack in the history of the Earth ever. Um, yeah, no pressure. You each have 45 minutes to run around Scarborough, this amazing suburb that we're in, and find three snacks. One snack has to be a packaged good. One snack has to be handmade slash mom and pop, whatever you want to call it. And the third one is a wild card. You can bring whatever you want. But you only have 45 minutes. You only have 25 bucks. Everybody good? Everybody got it? Are you ready? Yeah. Yes. Okay, let's go. Netta pretty much squeals her tires pulling out of that parking lot. She's got three stops on her list. But the one we catch is at this Iranian grocery she knows. Guys, I'm going to take you to a really unassuming plaza. It's this amazing little corner of the city where it's a plaza or a strip mall where like every single business is mom and pop owned and it represents a different part of the world, but they're all smushed together in the same plaza, which makes it really unique. One of my favorites, so we're gonna try it. So the reason why I'm here is basically for this gorgeous, glistening, golden stuff behind the case right here. This is called Zulbia. This sort of like beautiful, latticed, curly, flat, almost like the shape of a flower, kind of a fried dough. They soak it in simple syrup, uh, rose water, some saffron for the color. Um, it's just this like sticky, delicious thing. I super love it. And I want to take some of this back to the group. Can we have... Seven pieces of zulbia, please. Seven. Yes, please. Okay, that's it. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Cool. Okay, we're making great time. Let's head back, right? Is there a penalty for being late? Do we get points saved off? Suresh, how many snacks have you eaten around Scarborough? Oh, man, I don't know. Thousands for sure. Growing up in Scarborough, I guess, like, the habit was always to grab something after school. Growing up in a Sri Lankan home, dinner was served at, like, 8 or 9 o'clock, maybe, like, 9 o'clock. That was better. So we're arriving at a plaza that's just west of Kennedy Neglinton. We're here for Sri Lankan food because there's a strip of Sri Lankan takeout joints here. And we're going to Venusians. Suresh Das. Okay, so... Typical Sri Lankan place, very little seating, all takeout, snacks and full meals. They're known for their rice and curry and they're known for their short eats. Like most Sri Lankan places in Scarborough, it facilitates and feeds a group that is looking for quick takeout, quick snacks, and 
taking meals home to families. They do short eats, which are like tapas and like fried snacks, the South Indian, Sri Lankan version of it, a mix of Portuguese influence. So I come here for the mutton rolls. That's the um, snack of choice for me here. Uh, mutton rolls are essentially curry, but a dried curry, so it's been cooked down and left for a day. And that's kind of wrapped into a pastry and then deep fried. Hello. I do want to eat something. Oh, I came here for the mutton rolls. Can I get three of them, please? So we're going north on Don Mills uh, and making a right onto Lawrence. Jen Chan, she also grew up not far from here. She knows the area, but instead of leaning on her tried and trues, let's just say she's taking some snack time risks. There are a couple of places where I was pondering, hey, is this a snack? Um, a European delicatessen food mart type thing, which I've never been to, but I've seen a couple of times now. And each time I see it, I'm like, I should go in there. It's right here. Okay, let's go for like a quick stop. It's open. We'll be fast. Because if I get a snack, it's going to be a stick of meat. Let's see what we got. What do we got? Bacon chips. Oh, let's get some of that. Hi, excuse me. Can I get some of the bacon chips? Chavarsi? Ch- Chavarchi? Chavarchi. It's fat from the bacon. So they just cut pieces and fried. What's better, salted? Probably salted. Yeah, let's get the salty one, please. Thank you. I'm gonna win. I don't know what I'm winning. I'm gonna win, because it's bacon. <laughs> I have never tried them before, but I feel pretty good about dice rolling on pork fat, uh, specifically fried bacon bits, ends? I'm not even sure. But they look tasty. I mean, really, how how are you going to go wrong? Fried bacon things. 45 minutes later. Okay, more like 55 minutes later. Hi, late people. How's it going there, Netta? It's okay, our food's not cooling down or anything. We all meet back in the parking lot. Okay, everybody gather around the hood of the car. We're going to make this classy with a capital K. We spread out a white linen tablecloth on my car's hood. That's how the fridge light rolls. Anyway, we get pretty directly down to work. Netta's Zulbia, those incredible sugary Iranian, let's call them snack pastries. They're amazing, but they lose out to Suresh's mutton rolls. Then there's a three-part snack, too, which is probably cheating, but nobody really cares because it's this combination of fresh, warm pitas, crushed olives, and a walnut and pomegranate dip called muhamara. That one, that pretty much blows all our minds. As for Jen's fried, salted bacon hunks, those chvartsi, they're good if you have three hours afterwards for a pig-grease-fueled nap. And there are some other standouts. Okay, start with one, Jen. Okay, so mini chili spring rolls, these are tiny, like, one-inch long spring rolls filled with dried shrimp. These are so cute. These are like keychain spring rolls. Oh. Yum. This definitely satisfies the crunch factor, which is something I'm always looking for. They're pretty stinky, though. Like, I'm afraid to eat these in public. Okay. What else do we have? There's a bowl of... Gorgeously congealing bowl of gravy 
and fries and cheese, courtesy of Wimpy's Diner up at Ellesmere. And the reason why I chose this was it was kind of like my sentimental wild card, which is that my dad worked at a Wimpy's when he was a young international university student in Kansas, uh, coming from Iran in the 1960s, and he paid his way flipping burgers there at Wimpy's. So this is homage to my dad. You are totally just trying to tug at our heartstrings, aren't you? You're not going to win that way. It's all true, though, so let's dig in. You know, poutine, we just really, you cannot deny how satisfying it is, can you? Yeah. Felt like we should bring Canada to the table, you know, in some cheesy, overt way. So I'll be the person to do that. All right. Suresh, tough competition, man. Okay, What'd so you bring? throughout the country of India, there are many, many packaged snacks of the mixture variety. And a mixture is essentially something that has, like, a multitude of nuts, fried vermicelli, and uh, it's usually coated in spices and maybe curry leaves. So I picked one um, that you probably haven't had before, a cornflakes mixture. It's essentially, yeah, cornflakes, cashews, nuts, and potato sticks. I love the look of these. They look like spiced chips with noodles and nuts and Give that a go. I'm diving in. Yep. So sweet, sour. Oh, on. That is so mm-hmm. good. Yep. What are these little green dudes? It's like a dehydrated pea. Okay, so you got your vegetable too. Yeah. It's a full meal before the meal. Yeah. You could have that for breakfast and just pour some milk on it and you're, you're good. <laughs> By the time we all vote, Suresh's cornflakes mixture edges it. I vote Suresh again. Amazing. Ugh, that's Suresh. Cornflakes win it. <laughs> Thank you. Yay! Yes! All right, let's pick out. So that snack off you just heard was round one of our competition to identify the world's greatest snack food ever. That effort, that noble undertaking continues today right here. And I guess we're going to need some judges. Snack expert, snarfer of potato chips, Janice Thiessen, come on up. And we've got a couple of other people whose voices you might recognize. University of Toronto sociologist, shameless tugger of heartstrings, and snack aficionado, Netta McBoole. Come on up. And we've also got the snack guru and noted bologna eater, Chef Dustin Gallagher. (laughs) Hey, guys. We are so, so happy to have you here this afternoon. Netta, the people out in the audience here have heard the least from you so far. And when you were talking about that Zulbia, it sounds really personal in the poutine. Like, snacks mean something to you. What's that about? So when you heard me talk about the Zulbia, like I got pretty excited there. And that's because um, I'm a person in my 30s. I'm a mom now. But that snack takes me back to being in the kitchen with my own mom. This was something that we would make growing up. I remember drizzling the batter into this hot oil with her. And I thought that was super cool that she let me be by something that was like on fire. And you're a chip person too. But 
you did something kind of different with them. Yes. So any Iranians or Persians out there uh, will know this snack, uh, which was the pre-snack right before dinner, uh, where my dad would come home. There'd be like Jeopardy, Wheel of Fortune, whatever on the TV. I was snuggling up to my dad. We'd have a pack of chips um, and some full fat plain yogurt. And what you do is you just dip the chip into the yogurt. My dad would every now and again have a whiskey too. Uh, my mom's in the background cooking this incredible food we're going to have for dinner. And that's just such a happy memory for me. Okay, important question, Netta. What's it going to take for a snack to win your vote today? It's all about the crunch factor, I think. I love just that explosion. I love the sound of it. So uh, I'm a fool for the crunchy snack. Janice, what about you? What's it going to take to win the title of the best snack in the history of the world ever? No, I agree. Uh, crunch is a big thing. Salt also I like a lot. I feel that sweet snacks have to try harder because it just seems like kind of a cop-out. <laughs> Dustin, thoughts? Of course, crunch, I agree, is a big thing. But for me, it's the crunch to squish ratio. So there, there should be some, something slurpy to go with that crunch. I like that. And that's why you're the pro chef up here. <laughs> slurpy, slurpy. That is a pro chef word. Okay, so here are the rules of the competition. The competition today will have a few rounds spread throughout the episode. There will be eight entries in total. Some of those entries will come from us, from the Fridge Light crew. And some of the entries will come from you. Thank you to people who brought snacks. If your snack is chosen, you'll come up here on stage and you'll have 30 seconds to make the case for why your snack is the greatest snack in the history of the world ever. After 30 seconds, this buzzer will sound. Okay, judges, we're about to get started. It's a big responsibility. Are you ready? Hey, I'm Johanna Wagstaff. And hi there, I'm Rohith Joseph. And we're asking for 10 minutes of your day to go through the 10 things that the UN recommends we can all do when it comes to climate change. Please don't leave. No. And also the things <laughs> aren't new. We are just wired to not do them. We promise you to help you figure out your brains and you and your people can make better choices to combat climate change. 10 Minutes to Save the Planet is available now on CBC Listen and everywhere you get your podcasts. Our first audience entry is from Jess. Come on up. How are you, Jess? Good. I'm hungry. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm glad I brought a snack. What'd you bring? What, you've had some already, have you? A little bit, yeah. What is it? What is it? Beef jerky. 30 seconds. Go. Okay. It is salty, but this one in particular is seasoned with this like really sweet, chewy curry and there's also just enough ingredients you recognize all of them so that's nice um this is this restaurant no this shop is like the only place that has this specific jerky it's so tasty and it's chewy it's not crunchy but i feel like the complexity of spices compensate i'm sold i'm sold jess can you hand those over to the judges our second entry is from ahona come on down how you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. You look you look like you're a competitor. A little bit, yes. Excellent. Okay, uh, you ready to go? Yes. Go. These are Harvest Snap Snap Pea Crisps. They're very crunchy. They have explosion of flavor. The flavor that I brought today is actually wasabi ranch. So it brings in a little bit of Asian into the this beautiful snack. The first ingredient is green peas. So it makes you feel good that you're eating green peas while you're while you're eating that salty. Uh, low in salt wasabi ranch flavored green pea crisp 
and they're baked, so it's a feel-good snack. The only problem is I end up eating the whole bag when I open them. That was well done. Ahona, everybody. Hand those over to the judges, if you would. And we have a uh, third snack in this round. The winner of the Scarborough Snack Off, the Corn Flakes Mixture, is the third snack in this round, and I'll bring that over to you guys. Okay, we're gonna deliberate for a few minutes. Oh, these, these wasabi ranches. What do you think, Dustin? So the jerky, like with all Asian snacks, I find there's always that sweetness. And I always lean towards the saltiness. So I have to say, I lean towards the salty uh, sweet pea snacks. Mm. Netta? Um, our friend Jess, when she was selling us the beef jerky, said, you know, you're going to recognize all these ingredients. There's actually relatively few. Um, and one of them is MSG. So for that reason, I choose just a snack. I love it. I love it. Let me have some of those. Let me have some of those. Janice, thoughts? I approve the idea of meat as a snack. So, yeah, I'm leaning heavily towards that one. But I keep going back to these. I like crunch. So your vote is crunch. Your vote is jerky. Your vote is jerky. Janice? Oh, yeah. I'm going jerky. This is good. This is really good. Okay, so round one. It's a winner. There we go. Okay, we'll have another round in a few minutes. But before then, to understand the role snacks play in our lives today, it is helpful to have a baseline. So we thought maybe there's a historian somewhere who's poured a big part of her life into the story of snacks. Maybe that historian even researched a few iconic snack foods origin stories. All the way from the University of Winnipeg and all the way across this tiny stage, it's Professor Janice Thiessen. Thank you. Janice, so many parts of your book made my mouth fall open, and not just from hunger. The history of snack foods, of this entire category, a lot of people just write off, is fascinating. And I wanted to talk to you about the chip industry, the growth of the chip industry. How common were indie chip companies in the early 20th century? Oh, they were all over the place. Part of it was a, a function of the problems of distributing chips back in the day. You didn't have the kind of packaging that you have now. And uh, the bags weren't air-filled, or as they are now, nitrogen-filled. So, you know, you ship them any great distance, you're just getting chip dust. So you had to have lots of chip companies, each serving a very local market. So uh, most of what we read about snacks in these last few years is about how awful they are for us, how they're making people obese, how they're making us unhealthy. And a lot of that critique is it's really persuasive. And I want to know, like reading your book is such a celebration of snacks, of the people who make them. How much room do you think there is for that kind of look at snacks today in 2017? I think there has to be a lot of room for that. I mean, uh, the, the dominant voices, as I mentioned, were Michael Pollan's and Michael Moss's on this, but they're looking at the, the huge multinationals. And a lot of the snack manufacturers in Canada are small, independently owned, family-run businesses that have been around for half a century or more than a century in some cases, doing the same thing the same way year after year. And I think uh, we can't see the industry as just, you know, a comprehensive whole. There's a lot of variety within it. You have a thing for old Dutch potato chips. You, you, yeah. you write about them a lot. Yeah, there's a few <laughs> fans here. Uh, there is on one of the pages this picture. It's a tiny image from a cookbook that the old Dutch company made in the 1950s. And I read into it and it says on top, old Dutch snappy dip. And there's a recipe there that you could just barely make out. And it's got about three pounds each of cream cheese, cottage cheese, Rockfort cheese, chili sauce, 
mayonnaise, garlic. Is there anything I missed? No, I would totally eat that. <laughs> well, that's good because one of the producers uh, made something so we could get a little bit into your dip. Oh, I love Where's this Where's that show. snappy dip? Excellent. Go ahead. You have no idea how happy I am right now. Oh, my gosh. All right. We got three more entries. The first of which is that 78-pound bowl of Old Dutch snappy dip. <laughs> Our second entry for this round is uh, from Kai. Come on up. Oh, you brought a classic. What did you, what did you bring? Swedish berries. Yeah, am I right? Am I right? Yeah. Uh, okay, I'm just going to get you started because you're raring to go. Go! Uh, Swedish berries, they're just so tasty. They're so fruity. It's like they melt in my mouth. When I first had them, I was in university and I would study in libraries, let's say. So it's a very considerate snack. It's quiet. And so I also enjoy eating them at movies. And uh, I feel like they go straight to my head and make me feel more creative and energetic. And I love them. Nailed it. Nailed it. Thank you. Thank you. Send that over to the judges there. Thank you, Kai. Okay, one more entry for this round is from Stacy. Come on down. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. Are you ready to go? I've got my 30-second uh, speech ready. Wow. That's preparation. Stacy, go. All right. The snack that I brought are terellini, and they're Italian. They're from southern Italy, and they're basically a wheat snack, but they contain fennel, which is one of my favorite ingredients. They're pretty simple. They're basically made the same way as bagels without the lye bath but they are boiled and then they are baked. Stacy, everybody. Okay, judges, are you tasting? Do we need some deliberation music? Netta, what do you think? I'm loving this thing we have, uh, the one from Italy. The terellini. It's so good. Dusty? The fennel comes out as you eat it. It gets more and more, and I, enjoy, I love the fennel. So you're voting for the fennel? Yeah, I love the salty, and then the fennel really comes out. I love it. Janice? Like, there's eight kinds of fat in this dip. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, like, that's totally my vote. Yeah, that stuff is amazing. Okay, I've had the terellini. They're so my vote. Uh, I'm, I'm going for terellini. Fennel wins it. When we began planning this episode, we went out in search of the It snack of 2017. We dug deep into the world of beef jerky and thought, ah, it's been done. We considered sea snacks, you know, the roasted seaweed with all the plastic packaging. But seaweed snacks were becoming old news. We tried this incredible Mexican snack of dried mangoes dipped in chili powder. But there's still a ways from hitting it big time in the US and Canada. And we even went fancy very briefly and thought about doing Japanese rice crackers, or even Basque-style pinchos. And then one of the producers came across this new, slightly more accessible snack that had started winning awards, and it hit on pretty much every single food and snacking trend of 2017. And so we got in touch with the woman behind it. I'm Maya Kaimal. I'm the founder of my own line of foods, Maya Kaimal Fine Indian Foods. Maya grew up in Boston. Her father is originally from Kerala in southern India. And snacking and South Indian snacks were a big part of Maya's childhood. One of the things that one of my aunties made was a snack that was chickpea and rice flour based called muruku. It's an extruded snack, so it's like pressed out through like a star-shaped, like a frosting mold kind of thing. But mm. it's you get a bumpy texture and they 
form it into a, a spiral and it's deep fried and this sounds so good delicious and but it's very simple it's really just rice flour chickpea flour it has an interesting spice called asafoetida it has uh, cayenne and black sesame seeds and that's pretty much it a little salt so that's fried and it's super super crunchy and i love the flavor but i just thought it needed to, if it was in a different form, something more chip-like, that it would get a lot more receptivity with North Americans. Like, you know, it needs to be very snackable. So Maya and her crew spend months figuring out how to turn this traditional extruded chickpea snack into a chip. And doing that was way harder than that might sound. I was really particular about the flavor balance and also about the crispy texture, because that's the part that makes it really addictive. Texture in snacking. People in the business spend years, they spend entire careers thinking about the perfect texture of a snack. You want that like perfect crispy crunch and like just enough salt that you kind of keep going back and keep going back. So part of the long testing process was about nailing the texture. There are these terms in the chip world. One of them is clearing, right? So when you put a chip in your mouth and you chew it and you swallow it, you should have good clearing. So you should swallow it all and then there's nothing left in your mouth. And it's fascinating actually just like how many little things can be adjusted. The time in the fryer can be sped up or slowed down. The heat can be increased or decreased. I mean, all these things will ultimately impact the texture. So we worked on the clearing a lot because if you don't really get it right, I, I think you don't get a repeat purchase. The result of all that work is called Maya Kaimal Chickpea Chips. I got Maya to taste the chips with me. Oh, I do love the smell just when you open the bag. It's beautiful. Mm. Quick note, if you're listening in the U.S., you can get Maya's chips. And Canadians, we're sorry they're not here quite yet. Oh, my God. <laughs> that is really good. It's mm. um Perky. Well, your mouth thinks at first that it's a potato chip, but it's so different. You have that acidity, and you're right, the funk. Yeah. Beautiful crunch. Yeah, it's underneath there. Oh, I don't know if we're going to be able to continue, because... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> you know who else loves Maya's chips? Snack experts, like Monica Watrous. I am an editor for Food Business News. It's a trade publication that serves the food manufacturing and processing industry. And I am an expert on snacks. You know Maya Kamal's chickpea chips. How many trend boxes do those chips tick? Oh, so many. The product is gluten-free. It is non-GMO. If we're talking about the cilantro lime flavor, it is a great ethnically inspired flavor. And the fact that it's made with chickpeas is a huge trend. It has more protein than a standard chip. It's got two grams of protein per serving. I actually ate a whole multi-serving bag in one sitting. I'm ashamed <laughs> of it. Uh, most of the time, I'm thinking about food, whether I'm eating it, writing about it. It is my job to find the next big trends in snacks. One of the biggest and most enduring trends in snacks is that snacking is no longer just for in-between meals. In the last few decades, snacks have reset our stomachs, our brains, our pleasure centers. Snacks have started replacing meals. And more than that, snacking has rewired the internal clocks that tell us when to eat and how much. 
They're time machines, all right. Consumers are snacking more than ever. 94% of people are snacking on a daily basis. I don't know who those other 6% are because I think everybody snacks, right? I don't know if I want to meet these people. (laughs) (laughs) And then when you drill into those numbers, you find that half the population snacks two to three times a day. And about 15% of the population snack four or more times a day. So they're Hmm. not necessarily eating three square meals. They're eating snacks throughout the day. Right. And I think there's a lot of blurring in, you know, between meal and snack where people are on the go, they're busy. The idea of on the go eating is a huge trend across the industry. And I think that's what's driving so much of this interest in snacks. Sure. Convenience is a big part of it. But a lot of people also eat snacks because it's good for you. Eating many small meals, also known as snacks, instead of three big ones, can steady blood sugar levels and ward off binge eating. And it can even make your brain sharper, allowing you to make more considered decisions. Some researchers who study decision-making even say that the best way to make smart choices is to first take a break and get yourself a snack. Going back a bit, what were the traditional categories, say, 20, 25 years ago? You had chips, crackers, cookies, pretzels, popcorn, and that's probably it. And, and now that's really expanded to include more healthful items. This point Monica's making, it's a really important one. The definition of snacking has changed over time. It means a lot more these days than just... Twix bars and Doritos. Foods like yogurt, cottage cheese, hummus, fresh fruit, and even those ridiculous little machine-lathed, chlorine-treated cocktail carrots are all common snack choices. And there's been a boom, too, in healthy, or at least not unhealthy, packaged snacks. Some of these uh, convenient packaged snacks that are thought of as healthier, like jerky, certain fruit snacks like dried fruit, trail mix, those have been added to the category in recent years. How are the old standards? How are they holding up? Actually, they're not doing very well. They are the strongest segment, but crackers is actually a declining category in the grocery store. Hmm. And a lot of these other traditional snack categories aren't necessarily thriving. They're just hanging on. Crackers and chips, Monica says, are still the gorilla of the snacking industry. North Americans spent more than $17 billion on crackers, tortilla, and potato chips last year. And no matter how big you may think the whole jerky and meat snack craze is getting, it still pales next to popcorn, chocolate, cookies, nuts, and even what the snacking industry calls cheese snacks. But the snacking ground is shifting. I just came back from the Natural Products Expo East trade show. Right. And that's a great glimpse at emerging trends across the food and beverage industry. According to Monica, we're going to be eating a lot more foods like Maya's chickpea chips, snack foods derived from plants. So when I was at this show, I ate ice cream that was made from bananas. I had tuna that was made from beans. Wow. And I ate milk that was made from oats, a sausage made from wheat. So these products taste like the animal-based counterparts, but they're better for the environment. They're probably better for my waistline. And I think there's going to be a huge amount of interest in that segment of the marketplace going forward. I've got the hardest question of all. I need you to pick just one Snack. What is the best snack in the world right now? Oh, boy. Uh, <laughs> I really like Pop-Tarts. Pop-Tarts? I said it. Those, those, those are healthy, <laughs> GMO-free, good for you, no artificial. Oh, to- yeah. Pop-Tarts. Yeah. What flavor? <laughs> oh, any flavor. But probably brown sugar cinnamon. <laughs> that wasn't so hard. <laughs> you, you caught me off guard. Monica, love me some Pop-Tarts. It's great to talk to you. I really appreciate this. 
Okay, judges, just when you thought there were no more snacks, I've got two last entries for you. Brown sugar Pop-Tarts and some Maya Kaimal chickpea chips. Go ahead, dive in. Don't mind us. This might be an easy pick. I'm going to leave you guys to, you know, kind of fill your faces with these things. And this is where your hard work begins, your deliberations. Your task is to choose between the chickpea chips, the Pop-Tarts, uh, the first round winner, and the second round winner. The fate of the snacking world now rests on your shoulders. And uh, what I want you guys to do is uh, keep it yourself. Don't tell anybody. We're going to get to that in just a second. When I was a kid, my family, we were not snackers. Probably 30, 40 times a week, I'd ask one of my parents, can I have a snack? And the answer almost every time was, no, you'll spoil your dinner. That's how they sounded too. And honestly, uh, whatever, it's okay. I'm fine, right? Like I turned out normal. <laughs> you know, hanging out with all these snack heads, hearing Netta talk about dipping chips in yogurt, snuggled up to her dad, uh, listening to Janice talk about eating that watermelon and the deep fried roll kuchen. Or, you know, picturing Dustin, who's pretty much a kid still, you know, cradling a pack of bologna in front of the fridge in the middle of the night. I gotta say, I'm jealous. Because what we didn't know then, what my parents didn't know, is that snacks aren't just the things you eat between regular meals. If meals, if sit-down meals, if breakfast, lunch, and dinner are kind of the destinations of a day, a week, then snacks are the journey. Snacks are life. And so in the last few weeks, I've developed a saying for when my own kid is maybe eating too much at lunch or dinner, because I want to do things differently. And I hope that at least some of you people out there may try something similar. I tell them, hey kid, take it easy. Slow down with that knife and fork because you don't want to spoil your snacks. Judges, how'd you do? I don't think I've ever had a Pop-Tart before. <laughs> and I'm not sure if they're improved by being toasted. Oh, 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 this is a controversial statement. These also did not have frosting on top. Mm, Truth. The purists in the audience have taken great <laughs> offense to this. They're, yeah, clearly they know. They know. Okay, so don't tell me what's going to happen. I need to say what this snack is actually going to win. In case you're wondering... Besides the obviously extremely immeasurably valuable title is the greatest snack food in the history of the world ever. It wins immortality. We're just going to push a button here. Oh, yeah. In the fridge lights. There it is. It's a time capsule. Okay, hi, it's me again. And I just want to describe this scene a little bit. It's a big auditorium, 700 seats. The audience, obviously, is wrapped. Like, they're sitting on the edges of their seats, mouths, entire jaws to the floor. They cannot wait to see which snack takes it all. And just to the side, on the stage, there's a little smoke machine, a tiny one. It costs 22 bucks to rent the thing. How could it possibly make all that much smoke, right? So one of the producers hits the smoke machine button and the machine starts billowing smoke. And the spotlights are shining down onto the stage and I pick up the time capsule we had specially made just for this day. It's painted blue, it's shaped like a fridge. The thing is beautiful, it's got a freezer compartment. And I step through that really 
increasingly thick smoke and hoist the time capsule fridge above my head. It's one of the more triumphant moments of my entire life. And it's worth noting here too that 22 bucks rents a lot of smoke machine because it's getting kind of hard to see. <laughs> nice, nice, yeah. This was totally part of the podcast, the fire alarm. <laughs> the fire alarm rings for a few minutes. The smoke eventually does sort of start to clear. And then, as they say, the show must go on. So, Dustin, what's your vote? I got to go with the, the chip that keeps on giving, the chickpea chip. What is it about it? What grabs you? It's got the acid. It's got some spice. Um, I've used the asafoetida before, so I recall this flavor that brings me um, some fond memories. So I, that's a, And it's a one-hander snack, and it keeps me going back. One vote for the chips. Netta? I'm going to go with our audience member, Jess's Beef Jerky with the MSG. So tasty. <laughs> that was some good jerky. What is it about it? How is it different from other jerky to you? Oh, it just is that much more savory. And I also really enjoyed what she said about it. She was passionate about her snack, and that just influenced me. So, Janice, the uh, best snack in the history of the world ever. It all rests on your shoulders. What's your vote? I have to say I'm stunned and disappointed. <laughs> Because Dustin had claimed that he was going to be voting on the basis of crunchy and smooshy. True, true. And Netta had talked about, you know, these memories of eating chips with yogurt. So I think the only possible vote all three of us could have is for the old Dutch potato <laughs> chips dip. Okay, interesting. Snappy spread from Janice. So we have one vote for the chips, one vote for the jerky. One vote for the old Dutch snappy spread. I'm going to have to step in here and uh, break the tie. And I have to say... I'm in love with these chickpea chips. They're beautiful. They do keep on giving. So that's it, guys. That's the winner. Uh, this is the Fridge Light, and we owe some major thanks. First to our judges, Janice Thiessen, Netta Magbule, and Dustin Gallagher. Thanks to our snack presenters. Special thanks also to guests Maya Kamal and Monica Watrous, as well as to the excellent Jen Chan and Suresh Das from the Scarborough Crawl. Will DeNovi from the Hot Docs Podcast Fest. We are so grateful that you invited us today. A really trippy fridge-like time capsule. This thing will last forever, by the way. Uh, is the work of Toronto artist Maddie Turkinich. Today's special episode would not, could not have happened without the incredible work of our Cracker Jack producers. Michelle Snackham Macklem, there she is. Zoe Big Turk Tennant, where are you? There she is. Allison Apple Cheddarmelt Broverman. And where's Veronica Extra Smoky Hickory Stick Simmons? There you are. Our executive producer is Arif Norani. I gotta thank you guys. Thanks for coming and snacking with us. And it's a pleasure to have you here. I'm Chris Noddle Smith. Thank you. For more CBC Original Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash originalpodcasts.